New Vision is a church that places high value on Scripture. The Bible is made up of 66 books, and in this next portion, we're going to be going through a few of those books as a church family. We hope this tool encourages you and equips you to lead your life well. Thank you for joining us today. Hey, good morning, New Vision. This is Pastor Brady, and it is a real honor uh, for me to spend just a few minutes uh, of your day with you as we continue on in this Exodus podcast. And uh, I'm going to be reading today from Exodus chapter 12. We're going to pick up in verse 29 and what is truly one of the most important sections of this entire book. And uh, I hope as, uh, as you're turning there, uh, maybe you have a cup of coffee in your hand, you're getting your day started. And, you know, every time we get in God's Word, there's a chance for God to do something really great in our life. And that's what's so exciting about this for me. And I'm just really thankful to be able to spend uh, this time with you. It's been neat just hearing from folks who uh, have enjoyed this time studying the Word together as a church family. So let me go ahead and begin starting in Exodus 12, verse 29. It says, At midnight the Lord struck down all the firstborn in Egypt. So if you remember as you're studying through, uh, there had been now nine plagues. This is the final plague on the Egyptians. Pharaoh just, uh, his heart just keeps getting harder and harder. He has a chance to repent, but he doesn't. And finally, this is the tenth and final plague. And there's a lot that happens with this death of the firstborn. Uh, the death of the firstborn in Egypt really marks the birth of the nation of Israel as God is bringing them out now into uh, a new land, or I really should say the rebirth of the nation of, of Israel. So at midnight, the Lord struck down all the firstborn in Egypt from the firstborn of Pharaoh who sat on the throne to the firstborn of the prisoner who was in the dungeon and the firstborn of all the livestock as well. So a couple things I really think to take note here is uh, we're going to see throughout this study, God always keeps his word, and judgment now has come upon sin and upon the Egyptians. It's swift and it is certain. You know, sometimes we just fall into, just get lulled to sleep in, in our life and just think things are going to continue on the way they always have. But uh, I am reminded as I read this passage that there is a forever too late for those who reject the gospel, reject Christ as Savior, and judgment is coming. And, uh, and judgment is... Um, impartial. It, it, it comes upon all, no matter uh, of their wealth or situation or standing. It, happen, it hits Pharaoh's house. Uh, it hits the prisoner in the dungeon's house. And one of the things to think about here is when this pain and tragedy hits uh, the Egyptians, they have no one to go to to comfort them because uh, they have all experienced uh, the same pain. Their death happens to, to all of them. Uh, one of the the other things to think about here is for the last 80 years, you know, sometimes we can look at this and think, man, I don't know about that. That just seems too severe. For the last 80 years, the Egyptians have been uh, taking the male children, the male Hebrew children, and just uh, murdering them, throwing them in the Nile River. And so you see God coming back and, and bringing... Uh, justice into a very unjust situation, and it is now time uh, for the Egyptians to pay for their atrocities and for their sin. And so it just reminds me many times in life and the unfairness of life, um, God is, is just, and God will deal with sin uh, in his own time, and his way is always perfect as he does that. So you see the justice of God being handed out to the Egyptians. Verse 30 says, Pharaoh and all his officials 
And all the Egyptians got up during the night, and there was a loud wailing in Egypt, for there was not a household without someone dead. Again, there's that just reminder that they couldn't even go to anyone for comfort because they were all going through uh, the same thing. During the night, Pharaoh summoned Moses and Aaron uh, and said, Up, leave my people, you and the Israelites go. Worship the Lord as you have requested. You know, Pharaoh had just previously told Moses that he never wanted to see him again. And then when this final plague hits, he's quick to call Moses back up. And he understands, uh, you know, Pharaoh wanted to be seen, wanted to be worshipped as a god. But Pharaoh knew he was not a god. And so when this pain and tragedy hits, he quickly summons Moses, and he understands the source of this. And so he uh, allows the children of Israel to, to go and worship. Verse 32, take your flocks and herds, as you have said, and go, and also bless me. That's a very interesting. He, he's at the end of himself, and he's asking Pharaoh to speak to, uh, uh, he's asking, Pharaoh's asking Moses to speak on his behalf to his God. The Egyptians, verse 33, the Egyptians urged the people to hurry and leave the country for otherwise they said we will all die so the people took their dough and before the yeast was added and carried it on their shoulders and kneading troughs wrapped in clothing so this is what the lord had told them to do uh, and it's interesting the children of israel had obeyed god with these passover restrictions now, they had seen these uh, first nine plagues they uh, god had their attention and so when he gives them the details of what he's about to do uh, in the Passover event, they obey, and so they are ready to go. Uh, they are prepared, and so when they have their bread uh, without leaven or without yeast in it, it's very significant here because the leaven or yeast really represents sin. So we're going to uh, we're going to to see this is more than just pragmatic. It's more than just the bread doesn't have time to rise. Uh, it's really God doing something. Uh, not only to save the nation, but to sanctify or grow the nation. So I want to just. Uh, make you aware of that. Now, verse 34, So the people took their dough before the yeast was added and carried it on their shoulders and kneading troughs, wrapped it in clothing. The Israelites did as Moses instructed and asked the Egyptian for articles of silver and gold and for clothing. The Lord had made the Egyptians favorably disposed toward the people and they gave them what they asked for. So they plundered the Egyptians. Now, I'm, I'm reading out of the NIV here. I love how it says it. You know, that's one of the things that... Uh, is so interesting about this story. Here it is. Uh, the children of, of Israel have been in slavery for 430 years, have been mistreated at every turn, taken advantage of, have been used as just slave labor so that the Egyptians could get wealthy off their backs. Now, in this crazy twist and turn of events where God moves and intervenes, he makes the uh, Egyptians, uh, makes the Hebrews favorably disposed to them. In other words, he turns the hearts of the Egyptians and they pay out to the Hebrews. They give them gold and silver and clothing. This is something that only God can do. And so you see, what is God doing? He's enacting, he's enacting justice here. He's providing for uh, his people as only he can. It also reminds me this, as I think about my, my sin or my circumstances, the difficult situations in my life and the difficult situations in your life, uh, God just doesn't want to release us from those. He wants to plunder those situations. That's a That would be something to think about uh, today. And that, that really encourages me that I don't just uh, have the opportunity to be free from my past. God wants to plunder that. He wants to use that to do some amazing things in my life and in my future. So that offers me such, such hope. Now let's read on verse 37. The Israelites journeyed from Ramses to Succoth where... Uh, there were about 600,000 men on foot besides women and children. So 
Uh, most Bible scholars would say there are about 2 million uh, Hebrews who were leaving Egypt at this time. Many other people, verse 38, so that, that tells me that there were some uh, non-Hebrews, uh, some Egyptians who saw the movement of, of God and, and cast their lot in with the, the children of Israel. They went up with them and also large droves of livestock, both flocks and herds, with the dough the Israelites had brought from Egypt. They baked loaves of unleavened bread. The dough was without yeast because they had been driven out of Egypt and dot, did not have time to prepare the food for themselves. Now, the length of time the Israelite people lived in Egypt was 430 years. That's exactly what uh, uh, God uh, tells Abraham. Abraham prophesies this will take place in Genesis chapter 15. So we're just reminded here of, of how God keeps his promises in such an amazing, amazing way. At the end of the 430 years to the very day, all the Lord's divisions left Egypt because the Lord had kept vigil that night to bring them out of Egypt. And this night also the Israelites are to keep vigil to honor the Lord for the generations to come. Just one quick thought here as I close this section out, and we'll pick back up here uh, tomorrow. You know, this uh, unleavened bread, the children of Israel uh, bring the dough out without leaven or without yeast. Clearly that represents to them sin. And so one of the the great festivals that the Hebrews would even still celebrate today. In fact, two of the, the great Jewish festivals, Passover, which is still celebrated today, which really marked their salvation. The angel of death passed over. There's a lot of significance for us there as believers. But also the the Feast of Unleavened Bread. And what they would do, and they would do, the, the Feast of Unleavened Bread would take place right after, even today, as the children of Israel still, or the Jews still celebrate Passover. After the Passover lamb, uh, has been slaughtered, that would move into a, the Feast of Unleavened Bread. And so that was a seven-day, and still is a seven-day festival. And one of the things that they would do is they would take uh, and offer a sacrifice every one of those days, but they would also sweep their house clean. They would do an inventory of their house to make sure there was no leaven or no yeast in their house. And really the spiritual implication is for us that, you know, that we would sweep our house and sweep our life. And we would ask the Holy Spirit to guide us and see if there's any sin in our heart, in our heart, in our house, in our life, any unforgiveness, any area of immorality. God, anything today that you want to cleanse from my life just to grow me uh, so you can do what you want to do in my life. And so I think that'd be a great thing to think about today as we close this podcast. You know, as we think about this Feast of Unleavened Bread. What about any leaven in our life, in our house? Is there any, any sin in my life today, God, that you want to drive out? And the answer to that is yes, but will I let him do that? And I would encourage you today, Lord, show me any area of my life that you want to drive out some sin in my life so that I can have greater intimacy with you. And Lord, that you would grant me the faith to trust you and to walk in obedience so I can experience your power. God bless you guys. I hope you have a great day today. I look forward to us having some time again tomorrow morning to get back into the Word together. Thank you so much for joining us today. We'll see you tomorrow as we hop back into God's Word.